This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hey, this is Fred of Final Room Productions, about to hear the first episode of Season 1 of The Cleanse in its entirety for SFF Audio Podcast listeners. Stay tuned for the second half. I'll be chatting with Jesse and Tam about uh, The Cleanse and all things radio drama. Stay tuned and enjoy. Final Room Productions presents The Cleansed, Episode 1, The Refuge. told me that when the world went down, it wasn't with a big crash. It was a series of them, like strand after strand snapping from a big web. Did he ever tell you what it was like? No. Well, Mom told me about New York at Christmas time. She told me the millions of people crowded around each other in their own private universes and moving at a hundred miles an hour, held together by the ability for things to move, to get from point A to point B. A great, gigantic web of energy. But then... Snap. 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 And the world went away. Do you remember that, Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Maria. I remember... I remember through fog as if it were a nightmare. The kind you can't wake from. I remember that things got lean at first. That was okay. We moved from place to place. My, my real mom and I, but, but we were together. We had food. We had a roof over our head, right? But then the fighting started. My dad came to get me. And, and then the soldiers came to get him. And... I'm sorry, Luke. No, no, don't be sorry. But everyone has always been sorry for me. Then tell the story, Luke. You tell it better than anyone. You say it like it was an adventure. Well, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> Time. So? I don't know, Maria. There's just so much to remember. Start at the beginning, then, huh? What, with John Prophet? <laughs> John Prophet. Yeah, he was the center of the web that brought all these people together. And then tore them apart. Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? John Prophet the Spider. Oh, tell this story, Luke. Tell them all about John Headstrong Prophet. Who nearly killed us all trying to save us. Okay. Okay, Maria, I'll do my best. John, someone's behind us. Quiet, Zeke. It's okay, we're close. Will the train be ready to go? I sure hope so. Right. Come on, everyone, keep moving. Yes, sir. Come right along. What's that? Hold up, lay low, hold up. Quiet. We got incoming. Well, could they? Not this fast. We should have an hour, maybe more. I don't know. What's happening, Joe? Quiet, Zeke. Everyone stay calm. We can get to the train. It's only about a hundred yards past this corner. Too late! For God's sakes, calm down. Zeke, have you seen Saul? No. Where is he? Where the hell is he? He's supposed to be here with supplies. Up ahead! Get up! 
Everyone, stop firing! Keep moving! Come on! We need to get away! They're coming, John! They're coming! I can see it! See, come on! Move your feet! Yes, John! <laughs> Keep fighting. We can't do this. They've got us. Oh, for God's sake, throw some ball. They're storming us. Pull back. Pull back. No, no, no. Stay put. Stay put. <sighs> Damn it. Stay together. Stay together. Help, John. Help. I'm coming. John, where are you going? This train has to leave the station. Wait up! But for God's sake, Zeke, come on, fight! The train can't wait anymore! John! The train can't wait! You have to fight! Fight! Abraham, are you ready? I just got on. I've got to, I've got to grab Zeke. There's no time. We've got to get on. But Zeke! I can't protect myself! John! Please! Damn it! You coming or what? Okay. Okay! Fire her up! John! Please help me, John! John! Down! All you pisses down! I need you! John! 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 You remember... We called it the Summer of Fire? Yeah. In all our years, no one remembered so much heat. Even the potatoes had been baked to dust. Usually we had plenty to eat, but, but now it's slim pickings. I guess the animals were hungry too, since since we were starting to see ones that we'd never seen before. Like the elk. <laughs> right. I came from a farm, at least that's what David said. A farm from the before times. This day you had a mind to take one home for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Those elks looked real good. Hurry! Please slow down! Look, hold on! We're almost there! Slow down, please! Go! Oh. Sorry. Just be quiet. Moby didn't scare them off. They don't know what the sound of an engine is, I guess. Which one are you after? The buck. That big bastard over there? You hungry or what? Good. Now... One... Two... Crap! <laughs> you missed! You missed! I've never seen you miss before. Something must have spooked them. What? I don't know, Luke. There, oh my! Hey, look! Look over there! I don't believe it. It's a horse. A horse. I, I mean, really? You, do you believe it? Where, where do you think he's from? I don't know. He's not from around here, right? I mean, you think he's from the south? Why don't we ask him? Hey, what are you doing? No, hey! Maria, no, Maria, hey! Stop! Stop! Maria! Chill, Luke. I've got a gun. Hey! Hey! Hey, you! Hello! What's wrong with him? Well, he's all slouched. Hey, you! He's coming this way. Maria! I want his attention. No, the horse is spooked. What? It's not under his control. Uh, what? He's... Get out, of... Wait, get out of the way. Hey, hold on! Maria! Oh, 
doing? I'm slowing her down. Oh, hey! Hey, darling! Ah! Is he okay? It was just a small fall. No. Hey. Uh. Hey there. You with me? Uh. Hey! Oh, I don't think that's helpful, Marie. He can hear me. Hey. Oh. Are you still with us? Refuge. Huh? Are we near refuge? Why are you looking for that? How do you know that name? Uh, oh, he's out again. What do we do now? We're taking him back, Luke. You think that's a good idea? You just want to leave him? Well, no, I guess not. Well, then help me. Okay. Uh, this trailer is supposed to be so help. That's okay. <sighs> you got enough juice to get us home? Yeah. Dad just made up a new patch of Lindsay Dale. Alright, come on. Hey, Maria. Hey, Luke. Did, did they ever tell you why they called it the refuge? Well, I have some guesses, but... It, it was during the long walk. The first year, you know? It, it was brutal. Yeah, well, you told me that. All I really remember was my feet freezing through my shoes. I didn't have a good pair of boots then. It was still October when we left Bangor. But by the time we got all the way up there, it was well into winter. It was Christmas Day, I think, when we first found the place. It was abandoned. Really? Yeah, there were signs of a battle. Maybe some military guys in the dwellers. But by the time we got there, it had all been fought out. David, Sam, and me, and my mom, the others who were with us, we just walked right in. It had snowed two feet that night, but for the first time that year, we were warm. So David called it the refuge. And the name stuck. And he hasn't given the place up since. <laughs> no. No, he hasn't. Okay, Jonas, Carl, you hold steady. I'm going up. You got it! Right. Now, let's see if it works as good in reality as it did in my head. You got a good grip? Sure do. Okay, here we go. Hold steady. One, two, three. Keep moving, keep moving. Got it, got it. Okay, Jonas, go! Yep. Got it? Okay. It's going, it's going. There it goes now. How about that? <laughs> Not bad for a radiator fan and some scrap metal. Hey, I'm getting voltage down here. Nice work. You running the pump? Yep. <laughs> right. Water, everyone, finally. David, David. Yeah. Your kids are coming back. So? They've got a stranger with them. What? A stranger. They're what? I'm coming down. Jonas, watch this. Yep. What's going on down here? Dad, we found him. He was slumped on a horse. A and... horse? Where the hell did he find a horse? Is that Prophet? No! 
Oh, no! How dare he? How dare he? Dad! I sent you for a buck, Maria. We tried. He appeared, and I just... I don't... We're all going to starve now. Do you understand? What did I do? Just get the hell out of here. Leave her alone. Not today, Luke. I'm too old to be told what to do. I'll treat you as old as you act. The two of you go back out and see if you can find something other than trouble out there. Yeah, okay, Dad. Damn it, Luke. Well, who is he anyway? What's the big deal? When you need to know, I'll tell you. I'll tell all of you. Now back off! What the hell is going on? Look who the kids dragged in. What is going on here? Maria, dear, we'll tell you everything you need to know. Just let us deal with him. You all are crazy. I will go hunting. You and all your stupid secrets. Come on, Maria. John, goddamn prophet, after all these years. Let's get him to the infirmary. See if I can get some light. Forget it. Power's down in here. How about the shades? Sure. Jonas. I came as soon as I heard. What's going on? We have an unwelcome guest. Carl told me. He, uh... A friend of yours? Friend's not the right word. He was with us at the very beginning. We didn't see things eye to eye, let's put it that way. Uh-huh. Your kids beat this guy up or what? Maria says she fired a warning shot. The horse spooked. Horse? That's what they said. I find that hard to believe. Him being here is kind of hard to believe. Last I knew, he was headed towards New York. Fair enough. Let's see. Oh, that's one hell of a chest wound. He hasn't done anything for it. Infection's getting out of control, but his vitals are strong. <laughs> this guy refuses to stop. Sounds about right. I'd feel better if he went in the night. David! You don't know about him, Jonas. Do you want me to get the others? No, not yet. People will ask questions. This place isn't big enough for secrets. I'd like to know what's going on before we start a panic. Wake him up. No! For God's sake, this man just fell off a horse. Let him rest. No rest for the wicked, Jonas. Hey, hey, Mr. Prophet, remember me? Sam, give him some water. Uh, yeah. Please, David. Hey, Prophet, Prophet Man, you get your big bad guy or what? Here. Thanks. What's your whistle, huh? Not that I want to waterboard you. That's just for your enemies. <coughs> Refuge. What's that? Refuge? All right, Einstein, you found it. You found your refuge. All right, that's enough, David. Come on, John, what is it? You got your tail between your legs? David! Yeah, I don't want to be too much like him. <coughs> David. You know exactly what's going on, don't you? <laughs> what's this all about? Back when it all went down, we went north, Prophet went south. That's about the whole of it. Sam. Hey, John. Been a while. Too long. Not long enough. We're all together again. Don't keep us guessing, John. Why are you here? What do you think they're talking about? I don't know. We can just keep hearing profit. Profit? Like that guy. It must be. Yeah. Why else would what else, like what else would make him freak out like that? I thought he was dead. Me too. Where do you think he came from? I don't know. Far enough away for them to have horses. I've always wanted to go there, you know? What? Where? Back. Back south? Why not? It'd be something different. It'd be stupid, Maria. You've heard all about the things that happened down there. 
was years ago. You're still a kid. Going on 16. You didn't live through what I lived through. <sighs> She's pissed. You were always like this. You were always like this. And you've always just people. I'm done. You do what you want. Let the man recover. Please, as a doctor. I'll go with what the council decides, I promise. Though I'd like to see him get what's coming. Sam! Sam! Come on! Well, hey, don't even think about it. Jonas, please. Our parents are crazy. This man is dangerous. I don't know much else. We found him. We should at least be able to talk to him. You'd better wait for the elders to decide. And you think the elders will really make the right decision? Maria! Seriously, they're scared of everything. What do you bet they don't even talk to him? Assuming he's willing to talk. He wants to talk. Why else would he come all the way here? You won't be able to talk her out of it, Jonas. A stubborn girl does not change my opinion as a doctor. What are they going to do to him? That's not my decision. But if they decide to do something bad, wouldn't it be better if he had an advocate? Someone to raise a different voice at the meeting. He's barely talking. Then he'll hardly even know I'm no, here. No, I mean it. He should be in the hospital. We just don't have one. Jonas, you know what my dad is like. I do. And he's made up his mind? Yes. He's made up his mind, I'd say. Then letting me in might be the only way to change it, right? You are incorrigible. We'll be quick. All right. Thank you. Back for more. Um, hey. Huh? Oh, you. Sorry. <clears throat> I thought you were Sam. I'm Maria, her daughter. You're John, right? <laughs> I, I heard of you. You're... Are you okay? She had a daughter? Huh? Sam. Yeah. <laughs> All about that. How old are you? Fifteen? <laughs> Figures. What? Nothing. <clears throat> that was a long time ago. John? John! Sorry. I've been riding hard. Are you, are you the John Prophet who, who fought in Bangor? I am. Who are you? I'm Luke. He's my brother. I'm adopted. Oh. My, my mom and I, we escaped that day and without my dad. Sorry. It's okay. That, that was a hell of a day. Mostly hell. Why did you come here? Straight to the chase, huh? Don't talk to me like I'm a little girl. <laughs> Yep, you got the spunk. <laughs> All right. Why I came. I have nowhere left to go. Weren't you pretty far away, though, in, in the south? I was. And? Things changed. <clears throat> Very quickly. Very badly. So why don't you start by telling us where you found the horse? The alarm! What's that? 
It's trouble. Drop everything and run to the courtyard. You need to get me out of here. What? Why? We don't have time. What did you do with my horse? We couldn't catch it. What? You let it go? Are you crazy? That thing was wild. Jesus. How about you? Do you have any horses? Give me one of them. We don't know. have any horses, don't mister. We, they were killed by the disease. Oh, please, this is important. What? I, I did something. I'm being hunted. If those people catch me, that will be the end. Do you understand? No, we don't. Can you help me? How? We need to get out of here. Now. What did you do, John? I'll tell you everything, but please. You've got to start by trusting me. Do you trust me? No. No way. <laughs> Just like Sam. But I'll help you. Maria. What do you think our parents will do? They sure don't like him. Yeah, for good reason. You really trust what David says? Maria, Look, you have no idea what will come if no one does anything. This idyllic little life of yours will be over. So you need to make a decision. Just on your say-so. If you stick around for the proof, it'll be too late. Okay, we'll take Moby again. It still has some flak juice. Maria, they'll need Moby too. They'll get it back soon enough. Come on! <sighs> <sighs> Alright, everyone, if you're not on the defense force, gather in the bunker. We'll give the all-clear signal when it's over. The rest of you, come with me. We're headed to the armory. David! David! Jesus, yes. Chris, what is it? They're bearing a white flag. What? I don't think they're here for a fight. That would be a first. Well, what should we do? I'll meet them. No way you will. Then who else? Fine, but I've got your back. I can hit any one of them from here. We're meeting them on truce, so? Good point, but don't fire unless you... Yeah, David, no problem. Alright. Hail! Chad MacArthur of the Penobscot Dwellers. David Brenner of the Refuge. Why are you here? The fact that we travel with a riderless horse should speak for me. My own son is missing. We know nothing of it. You harbor a fugitive. Maybe. He just showed up this afternoon. So you will give him up? What for? We seek restitution on our terms. You're gonna kill him. He drew the first blood. Look, I like him as little as you do, but killing this him? This is our justice. Will you deny it? Did you listen to the man? If he's right, he... Ten years ago, we reached these terms. We have obeyed the borders all these years, even when we could overpower you ten times over. Even when you had food and our people struggled to survive. And now, when you shelter a stranger who breaches this truce, you'll deny us justice? It's not that easy. I need to speak to our people. This is a matter for chiefs to decide, not the tribe. Hey! That's him! He rides! Get him! You stalled us! Whoa! Hey, the truce! The truce is over! Wait! We can talk! Hey, stop firing! I'm sorry, you said... Then war it will be. Remember who fired first. I'm sorry, we didn't mean to... Tell your people to prepare for a council of war. There will be no quarter. Chris, what the hell did you do? You told me to. I said train, not... You realize what you've done? They were willing to talk. David, your kids are with him. What? A stranger. Prophet. Going. Keep our aim towards the water and gun it. We can only go so far. Look out, there's some more horses. It's them. Just keep moving. Ah, ah, look, he's shooting at us. Keep low. It's a pistol. There's no way. No, no, Stay low. Okay, hold. Steady. I got a beat on him. There. Now keep moving. Alright, Jonas, what happened? They say my kids. I, I only turned for a second. We'll get Jezebel then. Sam tried, it wouldn't start. Damn it! 
I had a run in the other day. It's all right. Sam's way ahead of you. What? She grabbed the stray horse. Now she's after them. Come on, Chris. We'll back her up. We don't need you running off, David. We need you here. Carl. You need to stop thinking about your family and think about all of our families. I need my children. We need our chief. He's right, David. You and your goddamn chief. My wife and daughter are out there. Your son, David. Your adopted son. I said that. My son. All of them. They're all out there. We need a council of the elders. This is a crisis. I'll gather everyone and toll the bell. We don't need a council. We need... Damn it! That man's crazy. Crazy. I'll vote with you, David. You know that. This is not about votes. This is about Jonas. It's okay, David. I'll watch the gates. Does the Council of Elders recognize Chief Brenner? Aye, there's one. Aye, there's two. Very good. Chief, take your seat. I... Yeah, sure. You may all sit. The matter the elders would like to speak about should go without saying. Do we have any who disagree? Nay, I didn't think so. Do we have any who wish to be the first to speak? Yeah, let's start with the armed horsemen. Not you, Brenner. Excuse me, but I think it's a little more important. David, that I have... the council speaks before the chief. You made that rule. This is an emergency. All the more important than to follow our rules. Yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but this is what separates us from them. That's right. And we must resolve on a course of action. Yes, like getting our asses out of here and looking for my children. Whoa, come on. Please. Look, Prophet has excuses a mile long of why he came here. Some nonsense about this new republic that's taken over New York. I didn't catch half of the horse turd he piled on. But the point is this. He found us. Worse, he led the dwellers to us, and they're ready to fight. Wait, what? So to prepare for war, are we? Yes. I guess we should. But more important, we need to track down Prophet before he gets any farther away. A farmer doesn't leave his flock when there's a wolf at the door. Right. Absolutely. Yes. A farmer goes out and shoots the wolf. What do you mean by that, Chief? I mean you need to grow some balls and come help us. We don't have time to bicker. This is unbelievable. Chief, you're out of line. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. I'm out of the line of windbags you hide behind oh, words when action oh, is needed. Any who wish to join the search, follow me now. Oh, no. Order! 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 You mean... Oh. The walkers caught up with the riders, I guess. They brought quite a crew. And my kids? Sam's after them, David. You can't ask for any more than that. Damn prophet. Damn him to hell. Whatever else you say about him, he's a hell of a soldier. He won't let anything happen to them. Yeah, not unless it serves his ends. We'll need to post-watch. I'll do it. You... You go talk to the council. And that's the start of it. For all the years our parents warned us about the outside world, the decision to leave the refuge took about a minute. That was the first time I'd ever been drunk. Not on hard cider or ale, but on the dream of adventure. You intoxicated me, Maria. And John Prophet intoxicated me. The dream of adventure. But we'd experience what our parents warned us about soon enough, wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we sure would. Here's to the new republic. To the republic. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. It's nearly a year, dear Saul, since we sent that rat on the run. What a time for freedom. And then no small thanks to you, my dear Saul. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Prophet fleeing like a rat, his loyalists split in disarray, the council leading out of our hand. You have over-delivered, my dear sir. It's all for the Republic. Yes. For the Republic. Mm. Mm. You don't drink so. I don't care for this stuff. This is Rouve Clicquot from the 20th century. It's an insult not to drink. Pardon my rudeness. Tomorrow. Promise me you will tomorrow when we at last commission the Citadel. Very well. Hmm. Ah, the world has forgotten its manners, so... But I will teach you all its finer things. You are a loyal servant, but without a sense of style, you'll never be a leader of men. Now, that's not an insult. It's just a reality. You need a sense of the grandeur of society. The essential beauty in America that we're trying to save. I'll try, sir. Yeah. You'll understand once I show you the Citadel. The entire city run on that reactor. Television, trains... You're not worried about... That's... We'll find it in time, please. Don't dampen our night. Another drink. And please, Saul. Yes. Yes, sir. For you. <laughs> A toast. May the Republic live on. May the Republic live on. Cleansed was written, directed, and produced by Fred Greenhalgh. You heard Kate Gurney as Maria, Philip Hobby as Luke, Paul Drynan as John Prophet, Kim Dakin as Sam, Chris Newcomb as David, Burke Brimmer as Chris, Pope Brock as Jonas, Gary Dixon as Carl, Andrew Sawyer as Chad, Dylan Chestnut as Zeke, James Herrera as Abraham, Richard Mack as Richard, Brent Ascari as Saul. Additional voices by Nat Angstrom, PJ LaRusso, Matthew Boudreau, Gary Hauger, Nate Speckman, and Eric Moody. Field recording by Randall Farr. Production assistance by David Turner and Samantha Mason. Sound design by Matthew Boudreau. Original score by Hubert Campbell. Additional sound by Mind's Eye Productions. This production was recorded on location at the North Dam Mill in Biddeford, Maine, and other locations in Southern Maine. Special thanks to Jennifer Stonehouse, Black Kettle Farm, Carolyn Goslin, Doug Sanford, the City of Biddeford, Tammy Ackerman, and Engine, propelling the creative economy, Amy Titcom, Builder Freeze, Coffee by Design, WMPG, Road Microphones, the Zoom Corporation, and most of all, you, our listener. New episodes of The Cleanse will be released the first Friday of each month from March through November 2012 at www.thecleansed.com. Subscribe to the free serialized podcast, or for $1.99, purchase the Director's Cut Edition as you've heard today. Also, see behind-the-scenes videos, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. The Cleansed is a Final Room production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalroom.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E dot com.
Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Tamahome. And I'm Fred, Final Rune. Hello. So, and uh, yeah, well, thanks guys for playing uh, episode one there. Thank you for sending it to us. Uh, uh, you sent us the first four, and I've I've heard the first four, but I think you've got is there seven episodes in the first season? It's just wrapped up. Uh, there will be. Yeah, there'll be eight, so, um, you know, depending on when people listen to this, uh, just to throw out a date, uh, September 7th will be the release of Episode 7, and then the season finale, Episode 8, will go out on Friday, October 5th. Uh, So what we've been doing is um, every first Friday of the month from March through October, release a a new full episode um, that's available as a paid download, Um, and if you're patient, you can get the episode released in a part each week, Um, you know, we've just been cutting the episode into four parts. And um, if you stick around, you can listen to the whole thing free in the podcast or just cut to the chase and get the director's edition the first day it goes up. Here's my first hard-hitting question, okay? Um, This is the first radio drama where uh, I have ever heard everyone in the cast, all the characters are all nude all the time. Why is that? (laughs) You know, we just try to keep it it interesting for the visual, visual imagination. I, I, I've been visualizing all these fight scenes naked, and I, I mean, it's cold in Maine. Why are they all naked all the time? I oh, don't I didn't understand. realize that. You didn't oh, it's, notice it's, that? It's, we've run out of textile mills. No one, no one can, no one can export stuff, and they can't buy clothing. So therefore, they're running around naked, beating each other with clubs. Just old wine clothes. <laughs> I just assumed that they were all naked all the time. I mean, it, it doesn't explicitly well, say it, but. I, well, sorry, sorry to, to, to demystify it. Actually, in episode seven, there is a discussion about clothing. Uh, one of the characters. So there's kind of there's, uh, among there's this is a pretty complicated story because there are all these different uh, little subgroups of characters. Uh, uh, one of the two subgroups, there's like a more of like a live off the land, um, almost Native American type uh, culture that lives in the woods of Maine. Uh, in contrast to the people who are living in an uh, abandoned military base, who are a bit more. Um, agrarian and a bit more, um, you know, holding on to uh, contemporary society type. So they all have a discussion. One group has like been tanning deer hides and has made buckskin clothing out of hides. And the characters have a discussion about that versus what they're wearing, which is, you know, army fatigues that have been stored at the military base. So uh, sorry to break it to you, Jesse, but but they do put clothes on in the end. Damn it. All right. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so it's not like yeah. Edgar Rice Burroughs after a while. <laughs> I just assumed. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, what it's whatever's in your imagination is your call. I mean, I don't know why. Well, yeah, I, I saw the trailer for season one, and they the actors are dressed, but I, you know, I I know that you know that's just because they're not filming it, right? You know, it's in the story, it's they can be naked, but it's acting. They can be. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, whatever, so. whatever, whatever your mind's eye projects. So. Oh, that's I. I think that's pretty cool. Now, um, it, as in the trailer, and and I don't know if it's all your stuff, but at least a lot of your stuff is field recorded. Um, you're adding in the guns, right? The the guns are not actually field recorded. <laughs> Those are all canned sound effects uh, that have been layered some, in. Is that right? Uh, we, we're not. Yeah, we're not shooting at or near any actors, but uh, they, you know there are actually some gun sessions. Um, where I've gone out to a shooting range and, and wow. you know, to collect some sounds, um, you know, so that's but, but, but a lot of it's not. I mean, the, you know, so the just kind of the way it's set up, yeah. All, all of the quote-unquote scenes, the the you know action, the actual se- sequences with uh, dialogue and action are field recorded. Um, obviously, there's a lot of there's some voiceover work that um, was done in studio, um, you know, where it's just a 
characters. Um, it's kind of this uh, uh, later. I after I had originally written all the scenes, I, uh, I realized I might need to give a show a little bit more of my hand and write these narr- narrative parts that helped you get to know the characters and helped slow down and break up the really complex action sequences. So that was all added in studio recordings afterwards. Um, you know, these little teasers that open up and close the podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And you use those in the, the, the regular version as well, right? The, yeah, uh, yeah, there's actually more in the podcast because there's some, knowing that if you're in the podcast, you might, you know, miss out on something or you might not have heard the whole thing in sequence. There's, there's a little bit of extra dial uh, narrative voiceover in the podcast just to help uh, reacquaint you. If you've been, you know, only listening sporadically every other week or something like that. Right. Okay. So you, um, you have some recordings from South Africa, it says. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we went there on a personal trip, but of course, as an audio guy, I bring along my recorder. And so, you know, uh, what's really nice about these uh, recorders nowadays, uh, I happen to use a Sony PCMM10. And in fact, at FinalRun.com, I have a review about this recorder. I've also used the Zoom recorders, which are excellent. Um, it, having a recorder that's small that you can fit in your pocket enables you to record things you just otherwise wouldn't. So, you know, you, 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 you know, as you travel, you encounter things that are interesting. Um, and so, for instance, uh, well, like one of our first days in Johannesburg, there was this uh, ice cream truck with this really off-key, uh, you know, melody and this rumbling diesel engine. I'm like, this is just amazing. And, you know, who knows? That that ha- that have, I haven't had a use for. But something that I do use, so in episode two, there's a sequence uh, where, it's, where it's a city. And so this city has been living under pretty austere post-apocalyptic type conditions until this uh, U.S. warship appears sort of mysteriously um, willing to hook them up to their nuclear power. Um, they're going to change over the, the ship's nuclear turbine and turn it into a power plant. So it's, it's this big celebration of the launch of this power plant. And so I needed, I wanted it to sound really quite big and, and you, you know, and, and sound like there's all this trumpeting and fanfare in the streets and crowds. And I'm like, how are you ever going to do that? How am I going to mm-hmm. get these like this sounds, and I was thinking, you know, maybe someone's got tracks out there of, of you know, Fourth uh, of July or or New Year's in Boston or New York or something. Well, just this one particular day, we were walking. We were in um, Cape Town, South Africa, and it turned out it was like the day that they opened Parliament. So we were literally walking off the subway and found ourselves in the middle of this parade procession. So there was indeed all these marching bands walking down the street and um, all, a, a crowd surrounding us cheering. Um, we actually got to have a peek of Jacob Zuma, the president um, of South Africa, drive by. So we, <laughs> so a lot, all those sounds, the the crowd sequences in episode two, are in fact from South Africa. Um, so, so there you go. So you never, you never know. Like if you don't, if you travel and you don't bring a sound recorder with you, you just miss out on, on those opportunities. And so I'm very grateful to have a recorder that's small enough to fit my pocket that's not going to get me strange looks by the police when I pull it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a camera. If you take a camera with you, you can take snapshots. But you're you're taking yep. what what what's the oral equivalent of a snapshot? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, audio audio postcards are is what they call them when they play the the sequences on NPR. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean the same way you know the same way that you know uh, you as a, as a photographer may have your point and shoot camera and then your like nice SLR. You know we've got a very serious. Um, you know, uh, location kit that we use in recording actors, but I've got my point-and-shoot-level digital recorder for those kind of um, take-it-with-you-everywhere sound-capturing opportunities. Hmm. 
Uh, now, I, I'm I'm assuming like a, a lot of the other stuff I've I've seen of yours is either adapted um, famous mm-hmm. audio dramas like. Um, you did uh, the most dangerous game, and you did uh, waiting for a window. Which I, I'm not sure is that an adaptation or something, or is that an original? That was, that was original. That was original piece. Yeah. Okay, uh, but uh, a lot of your stuff is uh, it's recorded where you are, but also it's often set where you are. And I think this has got to be the one that's the closest to you know writing what you know, because you're you know you're you're we're talking to you at your off grid location. Um, everybody in this yeah. story is living yeah. off the grid, except for the people in the Citadel, I guess, in, in season two, yeah. uh, episode two. Um, and so how, how did you come to form this story? I mean, the other, the other thing that Tam has been, uh, talking to other people about, and I've been talking to him about as well, is it's full of religious imagery and name, uh, all the names are biblical, right? So yeah, can you, can you, uh, either biblical yeah. or Star Wars? <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit of fun. But yeah, you know, so, so uh, you know, it's interesting. So I've actually had this story idea for a really long time, since I was uh, whatever age it was in 98 or so when Armageddon came out. Um, and what I thought, as someone who was just a consumer of science fiction at that point, was that it was a big hunk of crap. That, you know, it, we're not going to face an apocalyptic type scenario where Bruce Willis runs in and saves us from an asteroid. Like, Mm-hmm. That just so didn't resonate with me that it sort of created this countercurrent um, of wanting to, you know, tell a story about how it really would go down. Um, and it's, so it's taken me a little bit of, of time to figure out how how that was. Um, you know, so some of it, like the, the whole thorough line with uh, Paul and Saul and the uh, mm. Christ, Antichrist part of it, that, I mean, those those themes... Uh, really are only starting to get set up in, in season one, and, and the true scope of that uh, part, part of the story is going to become clearer in season two and beyond. Um, but that comes from having a, a Baptist upbringing at a rather, uh, how do I say this, at, at a group that was fairly intolerant of other uh, ways of looking at the universe. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, I've come, come and gone um, and thought about that part of my um, life in different ways, and so this this is this is not necessarily a critique about religion, but it is about um, you know a, a cautionary tale about following leaders, uh, following people who are very convinced that they know the right path. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, John Prophet is not P R O F I T, right? It's the other kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, and he, you know, all of the, the, the leader-type characters are very convinced that they, they know the way. Um, and there, there really are four of them. There's John Prophet, who is a soldier who wants to stop all the things happening in the city. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to try and talk in loose terms here without giving anything away, but in general, there's John Prophet, we have uh, Paul, who is we're losing you a little bit. Yep, uh, and there, like I said, there's Paul who is convinced that he is righteous and that to be righteous you must follow him. And there's also Saul who is kind of the uh, quintessential villain whose basic premise is follow me and you will have riches and wealth and um, you know ple- pleasures of the flesh. Um, and then there's the Republic, who are promising order, 
order, and and they their solve is um, you know order and stability at the cost of freedom for people who have not known stability since the world fell apart. So uh, all of those people feel pretty strongly in their worldviews. And part of the story, in addition to just being, you know, is sort of seeing how all those different worldviews, all being so convinced that they're the right way, come into conflict with each other, and the people who are, you know, behind the scenes when that happens. One of the one of the things that I I thought was really interesting later on, uh, I, I in our first season is when when the two uh, communities, you know, the refuge and uh, the nearby, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but there's a nearby group that's 10 times bigger. The dwellers, right. So when those two come into conflict, uh, it's it's a military conflict. But then um, later on, there's a, a sort of a reconciliation that I thought was very interesting. Uh, wh- where, where did you model that from? The uh, I, I was try- I'm trying to match it to literature and to history. So I think a lot of the phraseology huh. I could pick out of like, for example, oh, let, let me get you to answer that first, if you can. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so the, 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 the dwellers, I mean, uh, you know, so what, I, what I'm trying to tell the story of the refuge and the dwellers is how um, they kind of are, should be on the same side. And um, that, you know, the, and they sort of end up fighting over some very petty things. And that's, and that's kind of what we're exploring and trying to, you know, and see what happens is that, you know, groups that are very physically close to each other's geography, whose best interests lie in the same direction, but end up fighting over fairly small, trivial things. Um, so I don't know if there's a specific inspirational event that comes to mind, but it is something I think happens a lot in society, in societies, um, and is, is something I am trying to, to speak to. Since, since um, in the end, you, you can sort of see how everyone's on the same side. As, as the listener, the person experiencing the story, you kind of want them all to be friends, but, you know, how that, if and how that can happen is, is a question that um, we have to wait and see how it all plays out. Where, uh, is that a turkey there? That was a turkey there, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm off grid here in the middle of the woods. Many people think I'm a doomsday prepper, but I don't know. We just like raising turkeys. Uh, there's a television. There's a television show called that, Doomsday Preppers, or something, isn't there? Yeah. Well, you know, that, and that's something that I don't know. It's it's funny because um, oh, so to go back to your question about where where some of the inspirations, like for instance. Yeah. Um, all the stuff about off-grid life is a fairly recent addition. Like the story idea and the kind of the basic thorough line, the characters have been with me for since like early 2000s. Um, but the the real details of the lifestyle of the refuge and the dwellers and that stuff is is, is a bit more of a recent addition as I've um, experienced a more homesteader type lifestyle and and met people who really are preparing for the end. Um, to to have a clearer idea of what life would look like um, in a after dramatic energy crisis, um, that that stuff is a recent addition. But I, you know, and contrary to certain um, shows coming out on NBC this fall, uh, we actually <laughs> have some basis in reality about our choices of technology that's that's shown. And, and you know. Uh, you know, maybe I would love it if we had some fact checkers trying to, to, to see how all our stuff pans out because, um, you know, there, there's a little bit of creative license, but in general, 
all of the technologies that you see and all the lifestyle, the people that you see is, you know, could happen is based in, based in reality as opposed to um, total writer imagination. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, uh, it sounds to me like it's, it's uh, not playing very fast or loose with possible scenarios. I, 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 I like how little you tell us about how things came to change from, I guess, where we are now to where they are. But, you know, lots of different parts not working. It wasn't one big thing. It was many small things. Uh, you've got, you've got uh, the horses are all dead in a certain region. Right. How did that happen? Some disease. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. And yeah, and and, it, and I wanted it to ha- that stuff to be in the story, but not to be the story. You know, right. so if you look at it, kind of the, the, there's, there's a, certainly the post-apocalyptic genre, but it's also kind of like the survivalist genre, and mm-hmm. without naming certain titles, there are books that. Really, the characters aren't there. Our characters are only a way of talking about the author's worldview, about how you know about how we need to stop living in suburbia and and start all hoarding guns. And, you know, yeah. and so there's like almost you know like pornographic descriptions of like machine gun artillery. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, and the and the the meals, the MREs that the guys have, and their bug out locations. And this is not that kind of story. Like, I I want enough of it there that if somebody who knows a little bit about that kind of stuff can appreciate that this is, you know, that I know kind of that whole, what all that's all about. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this is an adventure story. You know, the structure of it is very much based on, um, you know, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey is based on Star Wars, is based on Lord of the Rings. We have, you know, a three-act structure of the drama. All that is based on fairly traditional storytelling mechanisms. And it's all about the epic journey of this character. It's not about, um, you know, the, you know, in some ways, if you weren't interested in any of that post-apocalyptic stuff, you know, you can just imagine it as yet another science fiction reality where we have solar panels instead of space, you know, instead of uh, laser guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, so how how did you become enamored with the uh, off-grid lifestyle? Because it's it, I think it's very interesting. <laughs> We're actually talking to you, so mm-hmm. you can't be you know you can't be you know a technophobe, <laughs> right? But in a way, right. you're sort of rejecting a lot of technology uh, that's perfectly legitimate. Like I think uh, being hooked up to the grid's cool because it provides steady power. Yeah. No, I'm not. I- yeah, you know, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, and my wife and I, it all started with this idea that we were going to, I don't know why this seemed like a good idea at the time, that we could just build a yurt in the woods and, you know, pay off our debt and live, you know, live simply. Um, and, you know, and it just sort of one thing leads to another. Then you get the off-grid house and then you get chickens and then you get goats and then there's turkeys and there's a garden and I don't know. I just, I just, it's, it's fun. It's, 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 a li- it's a lifestyle, you know, um, choice. And there are some really grounding elements to the lifestyle. You know, nothing is more uh, grounding than working a week. You know, I work as a web marketer. Um, so, in fact, I work for a solar company that sells grid-tied systems. So the last thing I'm going to say is that you should disconnect from the grid because <laughs> that would 
ruined our business model. But, um, you know, going on, um, sitting in an office all week and then spending the weekends chopping firewood is, is great. Um, or, you know, spending time with animals uh, when you're used, when otherwise you're spending your day, um, you know, not seeing the outdoors is very grounding. So there's, there's a lot of elements to lifestyle that we like that is not, you know, not necessarily because we are completely, you know, disconnecting from uh, the, the contemporary world. So it's, you know, there's, there's, it's a bit more about sustainability, a bit more about uh, taking pleasure in the lifestyle and living a life that we're, we're content with um, than, you know, saying the world is full of wicked, wicked technology that we must just, right. you know, get away from before it destroys us. <laughs> um, you know, though that, though that being said, one of the, like, the taglines of the cleanse is technology does not save us. Um, so that, that is true. So, you know, the, the world, you know, basically the basic premise is that we don't fix our situation, which I currently do believe that we're, you know, we're at a, at a point where we have, um, energy resources and we have, you know, uh, demands on those energy resources and we have to either continue on the train that we're on now without stopping thinking that there's magically going to be a fix or we are going to, you know, start making hard decisions based on not believing that there's a magic fix going to come. And the cleanse is kind of a tale about what happens in the aftermath of, you know, us not getting our act together and not taking on in a serious way the challenges of our times as they relate to energy and in some, and in you know, some way as well as the geopolitical type issues, uh, like for instance, you know, in the prologue pilot episode, there's this war in Saudi Arabia that again is not really fully explained, but uh, the basic premise is that we're fighting um, with the Chinese for the last scraps of oil on the planet, and that's about when things uh, really hit the fan, so to speak. Or maybe we'll see. I, uh, there's a couple of lines in uh, the first in the first episode that I I, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but I. I noticed them, and one of them is when Maria and Luke are talking. Maria sets him up to say something, and he's sort of Mm -hmm. in the middle of a conversation, and he says, "This day, X, Y, Z," and then and then we get into the scene. And when he says "this day," Mm -hmm. I think he's referring to the day that he's about to tell you about. But there's a there's a novel by Ira Levin called uh, "This Perfect Day," which is a sort of a far future um, people having recovered from some sort of disaster and they've changed the way that they interact with people in, in kind of the way, same way of, as The Giver, if you've read that book. Um, mm-hmm. that, was that an influence on, on that line? or? A, oh, yes, you know, I thought very deeply. No. <laughs> no. That's, that's a beautiful synergy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, yeah. here, I think this I one's going to... I think this one is going to uh, hit home, though. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll take it out. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, this second, this oh, second one. Okay. Uh, and that is um, uh, in in the first pilot, ep- uh, not pilot episode, the episode we heard, there was a me- uh, mention of The Long Walk. Now, that is set in Maine, the yes. Stephen King novel. Yes. That is a, an yeah. illusion? Well, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of little nods to Stephen King here and there. Um, it definitely as a, uh, what do you call him? Almost like the patron saint of writers in Maine. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's a, a couple nods to him. And, you know, so one thing I'm just going to quickly throw out that um, 
I saw the TV miniseries of The Stand before I read the book, and I did read the book. But there's something about the miniseries that kind of um, stuck with me in my shaping of um, post-apocalyptic, or I should say in my crafting of the villain Saul. So um, it's hard to even find any clips or any like copy of that miniseries today. And, and maybe if I ever watched it again, I, I would be horrified at what it's you know, what the quality actually was like. But I, I do, at the time that, uh, I don't know exactly the time, what the timeline was, um, that was uh, an influential moment um, to see, you know, I've seen that miniseries come come out. Um, you know, just thinking about what this world is like. I'm reading this fan right now. I read like half of it when I was a kid, and I just yeah, picked I mean, it up again. Yeah, and they just released the audiobook, which I reread it, and I would have re- preferred to have heard the brand new audiobook, but after I just finished rereading it, and I, I didn't quite have it in me. To listen to it again as an audiobook immediately afterwards, but that's that's um, quite a marathon you're, there. You're, yeah, it's twice as long. Yeah, Ina waited. Yeah, so at any rate, the, that that was you know probably the first won't be the say was the first post-apocalyptic story I read, but one of the ones that really captured my imagination in a way that others had not um, to that point. It's got a lot of biblical stuff in it too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. So it, 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 look at kind of the. Yeah, the the grand conflict between the characters is definitely a bit. It has some inspiration there. Um, I I I got to ask about the title. So um, there's a a movie I really like called The Rapture, which is based on the the biblical idea of. It's not actually biblical. The scholarly idea. Uh, I don't know theological idea of the rapture um, and how that's going to affect the earth and. The way they do it in the movie is very interesting because they sort of take a literalist approach and it's very ambiguous whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Your title of the show is called The Cleansed, and I was thinking uh, yeah. it's going to clean the earth. So is, there, is, is that a giveaway that if uh, you told us what the meaning is, uh, it would be... Um... Uh, well, yeah, the, the full meaning does not really become apparent until season three, so not till really the very end. Um, it does the directorial meaning of it. I mean, there are some characters who have hinted uh, to this, like in the episode two, there's a line where one of the characters says, you know, what if there's a great cleansing, you know, referring to Paul, who is preaching about following him as the returned son of God, uh, saying that, the, you know, hey, maybe there's a great cleansing coming. And in episode four, a different character says, um, come into the chapel and you will be cleansed. So there, there's some hints um uh, but the actual you know the actual cleansing event um will not be clear till the very end um and whether that's a good or a bad thing i think um i will at least say it will be ambiguous um because most of most of the cleansed is ambiguous you know there's mm-hmm. yeah i'm finding i'm finding that it's not like spirit blade where there's a sort of a a propagandic message behind it or I've ser- I've heard one that's yeah. kind of like the opposite, which is like um, every every chance a character gets, it's it's like to to push down religion. This is very ambiguous, and and I I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. who who the target audience is, other than I think you're writing for your you know you're writing about what you know. <laughs> I don't know, and I guess in, unless we know you really well, uh, we don't know exactly yeah. where it's going. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, and it's not, and it, and this is, you know, it's kind of a very j- difficult job to do an audio drama. And this, so this was originally a novel, and in some ways, uh, in novels you can explore these ambiguous ideas, 
um, a little bit more gracefully than you can in audio because in audio, you know, you're stripping down very complex um, ideas into scenes. And so, you know, uh, you know, uh, originally the manuscript just for, for what I call book one is now season one was 300 pages. And now you have four hours of audio. So, you know, in some ways I am doing an adaptation. I'm doing an adaptation of my own material. Um, so some of the, you know, little subtle things that I could do in the written format to um, uh, a little bit more gently allude toward what readers should have about how certain events are playing out um, is gone because all you're experiencing is the actions, you know, so there's very little editorial, you know, there's no editorializing for you. It's just, these are the characters and these are what they're doing. And in some ways that's what I want it to be about. I want this to not be, I want this to be a story about how our world is quite ambiguous. Is it good that people who choose violence as their primary method of getting things done? Is it good that they're the ones who end up in charge when it's all done do the ends justify the means and that's that's a pretty significant part of the storytelling as well um in addition to the uh religious you know the i i and and how much does ideology you know justify what you're doing to accomplish your means um and i don't know that i have the answers to that but i have some thoughts on it and that's what you mm-hmm. experience in the class um it also strikes me that it's a like a, I'm a Canadian, so I I don't uh, have the exact same background as as Americans do. But it strikes me as a very American story, in that it it is uh, dealing with sort of the uh, American approach to oh, the traditional American approach to um, I don't know uh, community uh, and and the many different ways that it's done. You know, it's it's the United States, but it's also these United States. And it's this group and this uh, religious community and that group and and that ethnic group. Yeah. And I, uh, what's the feedback been like from the international audience? Because I, I, I see and I think I understand it. Um, living right next to the United States, I, 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 I think I understand the culture well, but I'm not, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm still. I like. I was saying, what, what is Fred doing with this show? Because it's, it's very, um, it's very different from your like. Uh, Waiting for a window uh, is is a fantasy, and um, uh, the most dangerous game and and three skeleton key. Those are those are adaptations of traditional horror stories, sorta. Yeah. So I mean, have you got an international yeah. reaction, or you know, when is the domestic I, reaction? You're, you're the first. Yeah. What's the Canadian I mean, I've gotten, reaction? I haven't, I haven't. I mean, I haven't gotten complicated. You know, I've gotten definitely have fans now. Um, and if you look at like our Facebook page, I get things like, oh, it's great, or you know, I love it. But I haven't gotten in-depth type, uh, uh, you know, thoughtful type responses uh, a huge amount of them yet. And maybe that's still because it's quite early on. You know, we haven't even released the whole first season yet, and so. You know the the statement. You know the the whole articulated story is not quite. You know is still not fully articulated. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't heard too much. Um, there was a good. I thought one of the more more like, among the Chatterbox Audio Theater, um, who's been following my work for a while, um, wrote a nice piece. But he's you know he's from the Memphis Tennessee perspective. So I, I haven't. I guess I haven't. I don't have a strong answer to that um, just yet. But I very much would welcome um, people engaging in dialogue or letting me know what they think because um, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm still. This is this is 
I mean, this is one of the stories, I mean, I, this is almost kind of the reason I got into radio drama was to tell this particular story. I've been talking about it since uh, 2005. Um, and I felt like on my earlier productions, I was kind of cutting my teeth production-wise so that I would have the technical skills necessary to tell the story the way I wanted to tell it. And, you know, and so uh, really I look at my other productions, as much as I love them, as practice to have the skills necessary to, to, to fully realize the story as a very... Um, epic Hollywood. I, I don't I use the word Hollywood lightly, but you know, fully orchestrated cinematic type experience. And um, and then to and so I, I feel I felt like when we finally got going on this project that we had, you know, that I'd done that. I had enough experience in enough productions to take on um, this very much more complicated and much more nuanced project. You know, it'd be much easier in, in a lot of ways. If it was you know straight ahead. One one hero, good versus evil. Um, you know that's a pretty straightforward story to tell. But this is this is very complicated. It's got four groups of characters. Um, you know we might have an identifiable villain by the end of season one, but we don't necessarily have good guys. We certainly don't have good guys who are not painted. And to to do that and to do that and and to have the nuances is is, is challenging to do in audio. So in some ways, I'm also sort of seeing can the audio format handle this kind of story and our listeners can listeners handle a story that has so much subtlety and so much uh you know can they handle a story that really should bear repeated listening or or you know they really have to listen to carefully each scene um because uh, you know something that's revealed about the story world may only be said once and we don't hammer into you every single little detail it, it's um you know I, I i think you know we'll see whether how well i've played my cards whether i've withheld too much from the audience um, in the end, but that's you know that's what I'm trying to do is tell the story. And I'm in some ways as the writer, I'm along for the ride too. So season three is yet to be written, <laughs> so I kind of think of where it's going to go. But there are things that happen in season two that I'm uh, about to go into production for that I did not know were going to happen until they happened. And when they happened, I was like, oh, that's what I've been. That's where we've been going with <laughs> eight episodes. But. Um, we just ended up there. So, the, so the, at this point, you know, the characters are living in my head, and, and they're kind of telling their own story. Uh, change the topic a little bit. Uh, I I've, I've been looking at the website and and on the files you you sent to us. Uh, there there's uh, individual cartoon drawings for each episode. Yeah. Uh, by Simon Adams. Where did you find him? Yes. Uh, he's a local guy. He's a uh, art teacher um, by day job, but he. Um, he actually was a Craigslist guy, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, well, a bunch of years ago now, back in 2007, I must have met him. So he did some of my early, early artwork. Um, so he, he's sort of always been helping me with illustrations here and there. Um, but on this recent project, I really wanted to, you know, the thing I really would wanted to do with this project that we just didn't have the resources to do, uh, was to be able to offer a video format of it that would be a bit more like a graphic novel. So you'd have the audio but then like every 10, 15 seconds have a di different kind of frame and different, you know, a still or maybe like a motion animated uh, still piece. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're not talking about making a fully animated version of the cleanse, but something that's a bit more like a graphic novel where you have like, you know, here's a line of dialogue, here's a small scene, you have a, a different piece of uh, art to go with it. So like those are moving that direction. Yeah. So, so something like that, but with, but with a story of this scope. Um, yeah, so we, we just didn't have the time and, and money, frankly, to do that many illustrations. But we did at least 
um, have enough to do a, a new piece of artwork each week um, to go to the podcast episode. Oh, they're they're quite uh, distinctive, and it, it's interesting because um, you know it shows what's happening in the episode, and also um, I, I mean I'm a big fan of graphic novels and comics, so it's uh, it, it's done in that style, I think, um, and I like that. I like the uh, the accompanying, and, it, and even in black and white, I really, I think they're really well done. Yeah, well, they, it's been interesting how um, Simon's actually helped me see, visualize the characters better, so that the irony is that, you know, audio, I mean, audio in some ways is not a visual medium, but on the other hand, it is the most visual medium, because everything is being done inside your head, um, mm-hmm. in terms of the story. And so I really don't tend to think about what characters look like, or... Um, that sort of thing. I started to think about more of their personalities, uh, and, and it, you know, and that's sort of always been my thing. I've never really, as a writer, even when I was writing short stories or, or longer form, you know, described in detail the characters. It's more like describing what the characters are doing, what they're thinking. So when someone would say things like, well, "What kind of clothing do they wear?" or uh, "You know, what are the, what does the uniform of the Republic officers look like?" I'm like, "I don't actually know that," and I'd have to think about it. And I'd come back, and he'd send me some sketches. Like, "Oh yeah, that's it," and then. Once he, once we started doing this, and I started seeing the art, I was able to start dropping little visual cute little hints here and there into um, the the story world in, in really ways that I didn't originally anticipate. Um, so, for instance, in episode, I believe it's episode five, um, there's a confrontation between the refuge and the dwellers, and there's a sequence where one of the characters loses his glasses. Um, and so I had never thought about anything, and and um, you know, and Simon's like, "Oh, do this character has glasses?" Like, what? I don't know. Why would he have glasses? Like, well, we have glasses, and he's like, "Well, in the post-apocalyptic world, you know, if I had gla- if I saw things going down, I would go to the store and rob it and grab as many pairs of glasses as I could want, because I know that would be important for my survival." But that's a really interesting character trait. So um, the se- the sequence has a character who who has glasses, who loses his glasses through the scene, and that also is sort of a metaphor for where the character is at that particular moment. Um, so that, that happens. There's also a scene where a different character um, has some clothing that he's been forced to wear that doesn't fit him very well, which, again, is a sort of subtle um, piece of characterization. Um, and then there's yet another scene where they're they a little bit later. So there's, there's, what's, what's been interesting about working with an artist is that you know, it's it forced me to look at the story in a way that I other otherwise hadn't um, just hadn't occurred to me to think visually about the characters. So um, it's also very fun because I've been so kind of reality driven in the way that the uh, mechanics of the story work. You know, the stuff we we're talking about with the diesel ATVs, the solar powered water pump. I want that all to be so real. He's like, well, you know, this is, this is art. We can make it be a little bit. You know, super real. So the the art has also allowed me to experience the story in this kind of slightly larger than life way, where the characters are a bit, you know, a little bit bigger than like, you know, they they go beyond that pure reality to be to be more like, you know, comic book characters, um, where they have, you know, they just are a little bit extra extra human, ex, extra real. Mm-hmm. Does he help design the uh, settings or the hardware too? Uh, I sort of tell him. Um, you know, I sort of, I've come up with all the mechanics, right? So, you know, so I tell, you know, I basically, when we, like, for instance, there's a page in our site that has character descriptions and settings. A lot of that was the two of us chatting about the different things, sketching freehand um, in a coffee shop. 
Um, and then, and then I would tell him kind of about how certain places were, and he would just, you know, he would come up with the art. So um, we, we, you know, I'm sort of telling him what's in the world, and he's doing a take with art. And sometimes I love it, and sometimes I'm like, well, I saw it more like this, and then you know, we do some tweaks. So it is definitely a two-way collaborative process um, where you know he's gotten a really good, you know, feel for what the story world is in his head uh, enough where he can suggest. Um, you know, changes that are consistent with what my vision has been. I'm just reading the descriptions on that page, and uh, the Republic, it says, uh, is, is the regime compromised of the uber-wealthy. I understand. Now it's a 1% versus the 99% story. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Not exactly. And, oh, yeah, there you go. Whew, whew. And also, yeah, well, I mean, not so subtle, like... Um, Again, we don't talk about it that much, but the whole premise, there is, there is a premise that when the things get really bad, the one percenters have an escape plan and enact the escape plan and leave the rest of us to fend for ourselves, but it doesn't go quite the way they had planned. And that's, um, that's kind of just subtly thrown in there. It's not a big part of the story, but it's, it's, it's just kind of thrown in there as a little aside. So the dwellers are the survivalists. The, uh, there's the yeah. believers who are the evangelical uh, Christians, um, and they're following. Uh, are they following John Prophet? No. They're following Paul. Saul. Paul. Uh, Paul. Okay. Paul with a P. Uh, Paul with a P. Uh, the Republic uh, is the one percenters, and the refuge is uh, our starting point with. Um, Maria and Luke and uh, the family, and uh, I guess John Prophet shows up in our first episode there. So that's that's where it all takes off. And I thought, listening to it at first, um, after just the first episode, I thought, oh, Maria and Luke are our main characters. Uh, but later later on, we, we've got like other other guys. Like Lucian seems like he's going to be a big character, um, and he he seems to have a strange backstory because he's. He's um, he's not he's sort of content with something he shouldn't be content with. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's kind of. I mean, he's our way. I mean, he he, he definitely because this is the fun thing is that you know again we're trying to have kind of <laughs> multiple storyline and multiple heroes. You know, sort you know apart from being a way to see inside the Republic. Or you know, inside there's so there's like all the stuff with the refugees and dwellers takes place in a rural environment, while elsewhere in an urban environment there are things that will have implications later that are developing, and so we need to see that and we see it through the eyes of these characters who are just ordinary people caught up in situations way bigger than them, and so Lucian is is kind of your typical working everyman who um, you know at different points in his life he was more rebellious he was. Uh, a fighter, he was a gangster. Uh, at this point, he's just trying to like uh, make a living, go to a job, and come home, and go about his business and play by the rules. And that doesn't work out. And so the story, his story, becomes what what happens to him as a character. What is his choices are when you know the prospect of having an ordinary life where he plays by the rules of society um, gets you know that when that contract uh, gets broken. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, we've got um, the first season. Like I said, is is coming close to being fully released. Um, the cleanse dot com is kind of the portal to go for all that. Um, and if, if you don't mind me going for a fundraising plug, 
Um, just after I speak to you guys this morning, I'm going to be trying to get our Kickstarter campaign going. It'll be the first time I've ever asked for money. Um, to now, the production's been financed predominantly out of my own pocket, but with some support every now and again, people are giving us a little bit of uh, chunks of change here and there, which we definitely appreciate. We've also sold some downloads for season one, uh, but we need a um, fair bit more money to really do season two the way I'd like it to be. So we're doing our first Kickstarter campaign. Um, I don't know the exact URL yet because um, they haven't given it to me, but if you go to thecleanse.com, you'll be able to find like the season trailer, the Kickstarter link there, and I guess by the time you guys post it in the podcast at some point, you can also, uh, if you're so kind, share the Kickstarter link um, we'll there. We, we are going to have um, a digital box set, which will be the whole first season, plus some special content, like we'll be doing an ebook with all of the illustrations that we were just talking about um, mm-hmm. from season one, and Probably also some director's notes. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that's still in my head that hasn't been told in the stories and the backstories type stuff, I uh, will go into that uh, ebook. Um, and and I'm possibly considering doing uh, using some of the scripts to sort of make it uh, to sort of go with the illustrations. So you have, a, you know, this kind of it's not really a, a a written version of it, but it's a, a different way of experiencing the cleanse. Kind of like a, I'm going to call it like the season one companion. Uh, so we'll have that in digital format as well as uh, printed format. If you pay, if you if you give us a bit more money, you'll actually get a physical box set, which will be limited edition, only given out to people who supported the Kickstarter campaign. So it's kind of a way to get a piece of the history of this project. Um, and then we even have some of the original artwork, not prints, but the actual physical pen and ink drawings uh, will be giving out as premiums to people who give us um, a, a little bit more money. Um, and some other uh, other good prizes. So it's so we're we're just gonna see if it works. You know, we've we've never asked our audience for money before, um, and we don't know if who's listening. But uh, you know, the hope is that we can um, have some amount of success so that it is encouraging enough for us to you know to to feel confident that we can do more productions like this in the future. I, I was just wondering if you made all your own food on your farm. Uh, we do. Well, so we have what's called a CSA, where we pay a farmer up front, and then we get food dividends throughout the summertime. So that, uh, in the summer, and we have one of those for the winter as well. So we have a pretty good supply of produce from local farmers, uh, which we supplement with our own food in our garden. Um, we buy bulk foods through a bulk food store uh, locally, So we, uh, and we raise all our own meat. So we, And we also have dairy uh, goats. So we don't really go to the grocery store all that often no um it's nice that it's there though when you, when you really need it uh, i'm not i'm not gonna say it's not um it's also really nice to be able to go and buy grain for the animals and it's nice when my johnny selected seed order arrives on time so you know it's great to 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 have that relationship with your food where you know where it comes from you know what went into it um yeah i'm sure it's, it's also nice to know that if it wasn't available you, you, yeah it's also good to know that you can go get some food elsewhere if you desperately need it so i'm i'm all for society continuing um just hopefully <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a sane manner <laughs> and a happy uh, medium you somewhere. know uh yeah yeah and, and that's and that's yeah and it's you know so I, my personal feelings is a plea for sanity um and, and really, the story is, you know, the cleanse is, is, in some ways, you can just listen to it, and it's an adventure story. Um, if you choose to, there are some explorations about, um, I call it a, a post-apocalyptic drama of our times, because it is 
um, you know, in, in previous ages, it was like the fear of nuclear holocaust that I think drove post-apocalyptic fiction or drove the big monster movies of the mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. And now it's a kind of a different thing where it's not like it's going to be this big blast from an A-bomb. It's going to be more of this um, subtle collapse of the structures that we've come to depend on. It's it's the the, the lack of, of electricity is, is terrifying. So, you know, the, the cleansed attempts to be a reflection of the the embedded fears of our time and then use a story to explore it and hopefully come to um, uh, a, a tri- triumphant conclusion um, as best as can be expected given this the setup. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.